right, friends. Well, good morning. Awesome. Thank you. If you have your Bibles, we're going to be in, uh, let's go to Galatians 5, shall we? Galatians chapter 5. All right, let's pray together, shall we? Father, again, we come to you together in community, unified in Jesus, desiring to hear you. And so, Holy Spirit, I pray that you would take your word and open it up to us and reveal. God, you're the only one that truly reveals truth. It's not us discovering, it's you revealing. So I pray that you'd keep us teachable and humble to receive. We long to hear you, that we might obey you, to show that we love you. So God, I pray you take a feeble attempt at trying to make much of you and make much of yourself. God, we pray this in Jesus' name, and everyone who agrees says, amen. amen. So I'd say uh, God, so God did some pretty sweet things last night, and many of you, and you're able to work through some things, and I, I just, I'm telling you, I just like to sit in the back during that time and to watch, and to watch uh, youth leaders talking to your students, and to watch students ministering to each other, and I like that, and I think I like it because of this. I feel like for a long time... I've been, I've been in, <laughs> that was 2010, that was humbling. Um, I've been part of church ministry on a staff for almost 30 years, and, um, and it's only been the last few that I feel like maybe, I, I guess I've started to ask, why do we do the things we do the way that we do them? Is it because that's how it's always been done? And me being on a staff and in leadership, it's how often we'd have staff meetings and a few of us that are helping lead the community are making the decisions, and then we just got to find volunteers to do what it is that we want. Rather than reminding and encouraging people that those of you who surrendered to Jesus now have the Holy Spirit of God in you, that you've been, you've been anointed and appointed for a specific purpose, and what is that purpose? To go and make disciples. To baptize those disciples in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit, and to teach those disciples how to obey. All that Jesus has said, and then to think, okay, but that just seems too big. But Jesus says these words at the end, and by the way, I will be with you to the very end of the age. Why is that so impressive? Because he pulled off Easter. Guys, remember when Jesus was resurrected? If you spend time in the Bible, you remember that passage where he shows himself to the disciples except for Thomas. Thomas wasn't there. I don't know where he was at. Maybe he's out shopping, getting beef jerky or something. But he's out. He's not with all the rest of the people. And when he comes back, it's like, we just saw Jesus. And he says something like this. Unless I see the nail marks in his hands or see the scar up in his side, I'm not going to believe. And we look at him and what have we called Thomas? We call him what? Doubting Thomas. And I sit and I go, why? Why is he the only one that we named that? Guys, think about it. 
Did any of the, did any of the disciples think that Jesus was going to come back from the dead? No. You know how I know? Because on Sunday morning, none of them were out by the tomb holding signs saying, welcome back. They didn't stand there with balloons. They weren't going, oh, this is it. Yeah, you feel it, you feel it, this is it. None of them were doing that. In fact, when the women went to the tomb, they went there to do what? To prepare his body for burial. And yet Thomas, simply because he said, unless I see the nail marks in his hands and put my hand up into his side, I will not believe. Guys, I give props to Thomas. You know why? Because he wanted to experience Jesus for himself. He didn't want to just hear about him, but he wanted him. And when Jesus shows up and he shows himself to Thomas, he doesn't sit there and go, you doubter, you little wuss. Why couldn't you just believe what they told you? What does he say? Thomas, look. He shows him the nail marks in his hand. He says, come here. Put your, put your hand up into my side. Now stop doubting, just believe. And rip into him. He gave him what he wanted. And what does he say? My Lord and my God. Guys, he bows in worship and he calls him my Lord and my God. And then he takes the disciples and he says, you're going to go and make disciples. And he sends them out. <laughs> and there's no blueprint on it. He didn't say, and do these steps and you'll get it. And you'll know that you're successful if you have this many people show up. And do these many things. And keep everyone busy. He just said, go and make disciples. And you know what? They guessed. And the Holy Spirit, here's the key. The Holy Spirit came upon them in power. Guys, does it even blow your mind? Followers of Jesus, if you've surrendered your life to Jesus, the Holy Spirit of God, who is fully God, is in you. But my question is this. Would we even notice if he left for a day? Guys, what I hear the scripture is that God will never leave you nor forsake you. I believe that. But what I notice, if tomorrow the Holy Spirit did a little test, he's like, I'm just going to bolt out for a 24-hour period. Will we even notice the difference? Or do we just ignore him? Do we move forward in power? Do we see victory in our lives? Guys, it's easy to have the mountaintop experience. And that passage that was brought up with Peter and on the Mount of Transfiguration, and he's like, can, we just, can I just make tents? Can I just make three forts? One for you, Jesus, one for you, Moses, Elijah, and, or one for Moses, one for Elijah. We'll just chill out. As if that's the reason that Moses and Elijah left the glory of heaven is so that they could tent it up on a mountain. And then you hear the father say, okay, shh, Peter, stop talking. This is my son. Guys, the reason I love that passage so much is because if you've walked with Jesus for a while, do you find yourself getting used to him? And maybe Peter and James and John, they'd seen him do all these miracles. They heard his messages. And all of a sudden, it's like, why, why would Jesus give those three this opportunity to see Jesus stretch and reveal his glory? Maybe as as Peter's talking and he's just going, okay, so I should just make a tent equal for all of you. And the father had to stop him and go, stop. This is my son. This is the one that you got used to. You see the one whose face is shining like the sun? Yeah, that's my boy. He's not just Jesus. 
The whole law, the whole prophets point to him. He's the center point. Yeah, this is my son. And whom, whom I love and whom I'm well pleased. And then he just says, listen to him. Peter, stop talking. Just listen. Followers of Jesus, as we leave this place, guys, I remember going to camp. And I remember when I left, I'm like, yeah, I'm going to take the world today for Jesus. And I'm going to read the whole Bible before I get home. Even Leviticus. I'm going to read the whole thing. And we read it every day, the whole thing, every day. I'm just all about Jesus, just going for it. And about six days later, he's like, what happened? I don't have enough time to read the Bible. I don't have enough time to... All of a sudden, we get focused on all this other stuff. And, and all of a sudden, maybe you start to feel like temptation's coming back. And you sit there and go, I thought it was supposed to be different. Friends, we're created different, but the battle still rages. Guys, when you look in Galatians chapter 5, Paul writes this, starting here in verse 16. He says, but I say, walk by the Spirit, and you will not gratify the desires of the flesh. For the desires of the flesh are against the Spirit, and the desires of the Spirit are against the flesh. For these are opposed to each other, to keep you from doing the things you want to do. Guys, if we're really honest, aren't you tempted by the things that seem fun? Put your hand up, let's be honest. You're tempted by the things that seem fun, right? I've never been tempted by something that doesn't seem fun. It's like, oh, I'm just, guys, pray, pray for me. Because there's a window right there, and I just want to slam my head into it. I just want to slam it in. Just, then I just want to slam my head into the rock next. I just want to do it. I just feel like I, I want to do it. I've, I've just never had that temptation. It always seems like it's something that's going to be fun. And so we leave a place like this, and we have these standards. Okay, I'm going to do different. I'm going to be different. And, and then all of a sudden, the temptation comes, and it's so slight. And you're like, okay, I'll bend a little. It's not that big of a deal. I can do that. It's not fine. I mean, I'm really Jesus. I'm really all about you. And isn't it weird how you can, you can question one thing, and you can take one step further this way and one step further this way, and all of a sudden, instead of just steps, you start turning your back, and you start facing the sin again, and you start putting your back to Jesus. I love the fact that the Bible's honest. It seems like there's this war inside of us. An older gentleman, I read this a while back, an older gentleman was describing this passage. He says, it feels like there's two wolves fighting inside of me. He's a father. He's like, I feel like there's two wolves and they're fighting. And someone said, well, who win who's winning? And he goes, whichever one I feed the most. And I went, that makes sense. He says, walk by the Spirit. And you will not gratify the desires of the flesh. The desires of the flesh, the sinful desires that you have. See, before Jesus, you don't have a choice. You will jump into those things. But now that you have freedom in Jesus, you have freedom to not sin, not freedom to do whatever you want. You have freedom to honor God. You have freedom to serve Jesus. You have freedom to live life, but not freedom to then go, I can do whatever I want to do. I can say whatever I want to say. He goes on in the passage, but if you are led by the Spirit, you're not under the law. Now, the works of the flesh are evident, sexual morality, impurity, sensuality, idolatry, sorcery, enmity, strife, jealousy, fits of anger, rivalries, dissensions, divisions, envy, drunkenness, orgies, and things like these. 
Now, by a show of hands, we're getting honest again. Did any of those descriptives, can anyone sit there and go, I've struggled with at least one of those? Yeah. You ever been jealous of somebody else? Uh, yeah, of course we have. Friends, I used to have hair. It used to be red. I know. So now I can grow hair on my face, but I was FaceTiming with my family, my, 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 my parents and my wife and one of my boys and then my niece and nephew and my brother's family all got together to have a birthday dinner for my, for my dad. And so I FaceTimed real quick. I had my dinner outside. I don't know if you noticed, for those that walked by, I had the salad and I'm sitting there on my phone and I act like I was there. And my niece <laughs> gets, like she sees it, she goes, why is your beard white? And I said, it's because I had kids. Like, they gave me gray hair. And you, if you'd stop sinning so much, I wouldn't be so freaked out. I'm just, I didn't say that part. But it's like, that was like one of the first things. I'm growing hair, but I can't grow it on the top. And then you'll see people with just this flowing mane like Aslan the lion. I actually like being bald. But does anybody else here struggle with insecurity where you wish you could be a little bit different? Yeah. Put your hand up. And then now you're worried, did I put my hand up okay? Was it okay? Did I do it the right way? And I promise you this, guys, as you continue to walk with Jesus, he will free you little by little through the process of what's called sanctification. He wants to do a great work within you to make you whole. But this list of things, friends, divisions, envy, strife, Guys, another one is slander. Do you realize that God hates gossip? Uh-oh. Aren't we guilty of it? We just call it prayer requests. Oh, shut up. Like, think about it. Hey, what should we pray for? I don't think we, I think we can share prayer requests, but isn't it amazing how often a prayer request turns into a story of a person's life as if God doesn't know what's going on? Guys, can you pray for my friend? Their name is this. This is their address. This is their phone number. Here's a picture. Here's their social security number so you can look up their life. This is what happened. Give me about 20 minutes and I'll tell you exactly what happened and why we want to pray. And then we can inform God as if God's sitting there going, I don't know the guy. <laughs> Guys, we, it's like, I don't, I don't like gossip. Like, of course you do because we all, we all respond to this. Hey, did you hear about? No. Unless it's your name. And then you say, don't talk to me. Don't talk about me. You talking about how my back? Well, you get mad about that. You talking about how my back? And then you go away. You see what they did? You realize that God hates it? You realize it brings about nothing that's profitable and helpful? Divisions, dissensions. Guys, it's easy to try to look at the big sins and say, those are the ones. And yet God would say it's about sin. Do not live according to the desires of your flesh, but according to the Spirit. And there's benefits that come from it. And then he says this. This is a pretty bold statement. I warn you, as I warned you before, that those who do such things will not inherit the kingdom of God. I'm like, oh, boy, I'm struggling with it, Brian. And that's the difference. Friends, when you fight against it, and all of a sudden you'll see a victorious step, and maybe you fall back a couple, but you keep going. Guys, that's not living the lifestyle of it. You're wanting to not do it. You're fighting against it. But to live the lifestyle of it. Friends, what we do conveys whose we are and who we're about. 
says, for those that just live constantly in this, this is your lifestyle. Are you sure that it's Jesus you surrendered to, or was it just an experience? And he says this, in contrast, the word but, that means there's a contrast, but the fruit of the Spirit. Now listen to these. Tell me if these don't sound fantastic. The fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Doesn't that just sound good? Oh, to have peace? I'm guessing in this room with a group of you, there's some that struggle with anxiety, and it just plagues you. And I will not be one of those guys that said, just read the Bible. Guys, I think we need to read the Bible every day. But I also know that God is going to take us through the process to change us. And for those that say, oh, I just wish I had peace. I say, abide in Jesus. And maybe you need to find someone to talk to and work through these issues and talk through stuff. I mean, that's part of what I get to do as a pastor, just listen to people. And, and it's not like I have all the answers. I've actually had a mentor for 30 years that I pour my heart out to. The church that I lead, I've got four men who are my elders. They're my shepherds. And I convey the things I struggle with and deal with so that I don't go off and do my own thing and act arrogantly. Maybe for some of you, you just lack a lot of joy. Or you feel hopeless. Anybody struggle with patience? If you live in Southern California and drive, that's it. The people that merge last minute, not, yeah, don't applaud that. I don't like that. I'm just joking. <laughs> Maybe we lose our patience and... Yeah, when's the last time? And, it's, and really, I've been trying to apply this. How do I take practical steps to work toward patience? Rely on the Holy Spirit, but what can I do? What if I drive with the, per, with, with, with the perspective, instead of me just getting to where I'm supposed to be going as fast as I can, I'm getting to where I'm going to try to keep everyone around me as safe as possible because I don't know if any of them know Jesus. And I don't want them to crash and die without the Lord. What if that's my mindset as I drive? And what if God would use that to make me more patient? And I wish that I could say that I'm perfect at it. I am not. But I feel like I'm better than I was 30 years ago. And it's this slow walk with the Lord. Guys, here's the danger in, in, for you guys. In this generation, in this time period, isn't everything instant? Guys, you could watch, and you could watch a whole season of a show. You just binge watch whatever you want. Because it's instant. We can have it right when we want it. And waiting... Oh, we don't like to wait. You ever hit up a Starbucks and had the person behind you get their drink before you? And you sit there and go, what the? It's a travesty. And you say, okay, it's okay, I'm a Christian. God, give me patience. Give me strength because I'm being persecuted. And then the person behind them gets it, and you're like, no. Has anyone noticed if you ever have to wait too long for a drink, they'll give you a free one? You just kind of go show patience. So I'm like, that's fine. That's fine. Keep on going. Keep on going because I'm kind of cheap on some things. Absolutely. The whole store. I'll be here for hours. Can I have a free drink? Isn't it amazing how quick we need everything? And yet God does not run. When he tells us, hey, what is it God requires of us? Act justly. Love mercy. And walk humbly with your God. He's strolling. Friend, he's not in a hurry. Friends, I want these things to be the reality that I live in, and I have so far to go and grow in. 
But friends, it's possible, not because we're great, but because God in us is great. In 1 Corinthians chapter 5, I'm sorry, 2 Corinthians chapter 5, starting in verse 17, it says this, Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he or she is a new creation. The old has passed away. Behold, the new has come. For those of you who are followers of Jesus, you are new. That God has made you new and making you new in the process. It's weird. I'm new, but God is making me new. He's constantly improving me. And he's constantly improving you. And then he goes on to say this. He says, all this is from God, who through Christ reconciled us to himself and gave us the ministry of reconciliation. Guys, just land there for just a second. All this, the fact that I am no longer an old creation, but a new creation, the fact that I've been reconciled to God is because God did it all. All of this is from him. He initiated. He calls. The book of Romans chapter 3 says, no one seeks after God. No one. For those that came to Christ, it's not because you went on a search for him. It's because he revealed himself to you. He called you. He wooed you. And you received it, but it started with his invitation. But do you see what it is after that? This is from God who through Christ reconciled us to himself and gave us the ministry of reconciliation. That in Christ, God was reconciling the world to himself not counting their trespasses against them, and entrusting to us the message of reconciliation. Guys, I don't know if you noticed, it seems like especially our nation is pretty divided. You ever notice we fight about everything? Everything. Like everything becomes competitive. Who has the best cell coverage? Uh, we start, I'll back mine, I'll back mine, I'll back yours sucks. Oh, let's talk about how people vote. That never brings about an issue. Oh, let's talk about masks or no masks or vaccines or no vaccines. Let's, let's jump into those places because that doesn't get people heated. And it's not just the people outside, but the people inside the church. We can have all these opinions, but friends, our, if my opinion causes the message of the gospel to be diluted or to be tainted in any way, then my agenda and my opinion has no bearing. It is about the gospel. Why? Because there is no reconciliation without Jesus as the focal point. Guys, if I talk about race, and we just say, I'm going to focus in on racism, and we push diversity, and friends, I love that. But if there's nothing unifying how different we are, then we just live that we're different and we jump into what? Being competitive. That is not what heaven looks like. Friends, you know what the cure for racism is? The gospel of Jesus. Why? Because racism is connected to sin and the only remedy to sin is Jesus. Friends, it's not that simple. It is that simple. The gospel has been changing civilizations Ever since it's been proclaimed, societies and cultures have been transformed. And yet today it seems like the church is transformed by the culture rather than the church transforming the culture. And I wonder if it's because of this, instead of us handing off the ministry to you all, knowing you've been empowered. And yes, shepherds, we still have a role. 
to care and to protect and to guide and to confront sin and to do all those things. But man, young people, if you could get it, the Holy Spirit's in you. And God loves to use the teenagers. Guys, think about it. David, when he jacks up Goliath, he's about 15. That's a heck of a day. He's just sent to check on his brothers. He shows up and his oldest brother goes, are you just here to watch the war? Gives him trash, which is really encouraging for those that say, I always fight with my siblings. Hey, it's in the Bible. You're biblical. I'm not, I'm not just joking. But, so he goes and checks. And then all of a sudden, a nine-foot giant comes out and starts mocking God and the armies of God. And David, a 15-year-old kid going, who's this guy? I could take him. Like every 15-year-old kid says, I could own him. So he starts talking about it. Well, what, the person that jacks this guy up, what does he get? He never has to pay taxes again. You get to marry the king's daughter. He's like, what? I get money and a girl? Oh, I'm in. What 15-year-old doesn't want that? Bless you. So then they bring him before Saul. Saul's taller than everyone else, and he's not doing it. He's just, oh, okay, I guess I'll send a 15-year-old to go fight the battle. Because the challenge was this. Just send one person. We'll fight it out. And whoever wins, that army, that army wins. And so they, put, they started to put Saul's armor on David. And David says he's, this, he's a handsome, ruddy guy. He's kind of a shorter guy. But he's like Renaissance man. Guys, he's like a warrior, but he's a poet. Right? Ladies are like, hmm? So they put his armor on. He's like, I can't even move. Like, what is this? So they take it off. And then all he takes is his sling. And it's not like... It's not, it's not that kind. Guys, all he would do is he's watching sheep because there's not a lot to do. You just got to make sure that they don't die. And they're not really the smartest of animals. So can you imagine a, a, a sling for him would have been just picture a long strip of leather and a pouch at, at, in the middle. And he would just have all day to practice. And you just kind of whirl it around and then you release it. Guys, those who were really good at it could get that rock going as fast as a bullet. So he's like, I just need this. And so he picks up five stones. And he goes down. And he starts to trash talk. He's like, oh, today, I'm going to kill you and chop off your head. That is just bold. And the guy starts talking trash to him, starts mocking God. And all of a sudden, spam, sinks the stone right into his forehead. Nine-foot giant hits the ground. And he goes over and takes his sword Goliath's sword and hacks off his head and then puts it in a bag and takes it with him. And that's the part where it gets a little weird. Then he goes home. Can you imagine that conversation? As he walks in, he's got a little pouch. Mom's like, hey, how are the boys? They're doing good. How was your day? It's all right. What'd you do? Nothing much. What's in the back? You don't want to know. And when God, decided to pick the, when God decided to come to the planet, he picked the womb of a teenage girl. Friends, God loves to use the teenagers. You were just as anointed and appointed for a purpose in a time as this. You know who can reach your friends better than anyone? You. With the gospel. Not your opinion of it, not your opinion of God. It's who God says that he is according to the scriptures. And so as you go, guys, I want to encourage you to do this. Learn to abide in Jesus, which means open the book. Get your face back in the book and read it. Youth leaders, youth pastors, read it. And I say this from personal experience. Not all of a sudden to go, oh, I can, pre I can preach this. I'll prep this. No, no, no. Never, ever push aside your time alone with Jesus in the name of ministry.
He does not need us for his work. But he died for us that we could be in relationship with him. When that's neglected, you'll impact your students in a negative way. I say that from personal experience where I had to repent from it so that my time with Jesus became the priority. Friends, you have the spirit of God. And what comes with it? Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Acts chapter 1, the spirit will come upon you and you'll receive power. And you'll be my witnesses. And that word witness is actually another, another translation for that word witness is the word martyr. You'll be my witness, and some of you might lose your life because you want to make sure that people hear about me. And so you come back to, is Jesus worth it? I wanted to close with this, and so I just want to read this last passage out of Revelation. And I wonder if we could stand. It's kind of old school things that happened in churches back in the day. But just for the reading of God's word, could we stand as we close together? In Revelation chapter 6, and this is a I love that this has been the focus during worship to remind us, hey, we all look different. We all sound different. Different ethnicities, different nationalities, different places we come from, socioeconomic differences, all these differences, and watch this. In Revelation chapter 6, you want to know, oh, sorry, chapter 7. You want to know what, what heaven looks like? After this, I looked, and behold, a great multitude that no one could number from every nation, from all tribes and peoples and languages, standing before the throne and before the Lamb, clothed in white robes with palm branches in their hands, and crying out with a loud voice, salvation belongs to our God, who sits on the throne and to the Lamb. And all the angels were standing around the throne and around the elders and the four living creatures, and they fell on their faces before the throne and worshiped God, saying, Amen. Blessing and glory and wisdom and thanksgiving and honor and power and might be to our God forever and ever. Amen. Then one of the elders addressed me, saying, Who are these clothed in white robes, and from where have they come? And I said to him, Sir, you know. And he said to me, These are the ones coming out of the great tribulation. They have washed their robes and made them white in the blood of the Lamb. Therefore, there before the throne of God, and serve him day and night in his temple. And he who sits on the throne will shelter them with his presence. They shall hunger no more, neither shall they thirst anymore. The sun shall not strike them, nor any scorching heat. Here it is. For the lamb in the midst of the throne will be their shepherd, and he will guide them to the springs of living water, and God will wipe away every tear from their eyes. All people groups surrounding Jesus who unifies his church. And we have one mission to accomplish, no matter what Siri says. We have one mission. Guys, the greatest commandment, love God with everything you got. Number two, love people. And go make disciples who make disciple makers. And friends, we cannot fail. Jesus says, I'll be with you to the very end. The Spirit of God is in us and he goes with us. We do not live for Jesus. We live by Christ and with Christ. And if Jesus could pull off Easter and the Holy Spirit of God is in us, imagine what we, the church, can do, what God can do through us. But it starts with learning. Learn how to walk. In other words, 
Friends, walk up to a youth leader. Ask, hey, how do you have a quiet time with the Lord? How do you spend time in the Word? And you make that a daily, not habit, a daily meeting with the God of the universe. And you watch how God will expand your mind, reveal who he is, and show you your purpose. But every single one of us have the exact same purpose. Love God, love people, make disciples. Friends, we can do this. We can do this not because we're great, but because God is great. Let me pray. Holy Spirit, I pray that you would anoint us for your purpose, that you would help us, empower us to make disciples, to love you with everything and to love people. I pray for these students, youth leaders, myself, that as we go home, we would be people who are first and foremost about Jesus and that our time with you would be non-negotiable because we want to know you. And as you use us, God, and as you work in us and work through us, to you be all the praise, all the glory, and all the honor for you alone are worthy. And we pray this in Jesus' name and all of Christ's church says, amen. Love you more than you know.